You are listening to the Strangers and Pilgrims podcast. Soldier, sound off! If you thrive on jive, here's something that'll iron you out wide. Yes, this is Groovy Lou Marcel polishing up your favorite four to sound off with the tunes that won your swing ding. For this little session, we're going to throw away the spots and pass it the dots. So, gang, if you're all set, we'll swing and sweat. Yes, indeed. Number four on your tune parade, this hunk of melodic beauty from the Milky Way is one of the favorites back here at home, and from the vote sent in, it's top man with a gang in Iran. The tune... You rhyme with everything that's beautiful. Professor K. Kaiser's band with Harry Babbitt doing the turtle dance. number two on your favorite four. Tunes may come and tunes may go, but this classic seems to get more popular every year. Containing riff medicine that's good for your bones and a knocked-out vocal that's out of this cosmo, we bow to the boatload of ballots that landed from the fellas up in Greenland. Not only do they know good stuff, but they back it up with a vote. Dig this drawing room arrangement. The tune, the St. Louis Blues, and luscious Lena Horn takes you down there, brother. That evening sun go down 
your shoes and stick around, it gets even better. By the way, if you have a particular favorite you'd like to hear on Sound Off, would you let us know? Accompany your song or tune with all the votes you can get from your outfit. Put as many names as you like on one ballot, the majority wins. Send all votes to Sound Off, Armed Forces Radio, Los Angeles, USA. Attention one, attention all, you'd better sit down before you fall. Never have we unveiled such a symphony and smalls for your Sound Off special. But this is strictly and actually. The tune, Chloe, and we give you Spike Jones and his city slickers.
Continue. Have you ever? I haven't. Number one on your bounce barometer. This is Straw Boss for our four-star edition and gang the ooze gush since the election. Some of the hep label it button shoes batter, but uh, you should get a load of the ballots sent in from southern Italy. They go in a big way for the tune Don't Cry Baby. Here are the charioteers to wipe away the tears. Number one. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
cheesecake for this time, so we'll roll up the rugs and call it a fine dinner, eh? The very best of luck to all of you fellas. Until we toast chestnuts together again, this is Groovy Lou Marcel autographing another sound off produced for the Armed Forces Radio Set. music all grabbing a shortwave boost to our fighting men all over the world. You know, it's increasingly amazing to me how many ways are granted us to give them a boost. For instance, waste kitchen fats. Certainly nothing to us, but they're a vital ingredient in the manufacture of high explosives. That's the stuff that's rocking our enemies right now, fore and aft. The OPA has now authorized your butcher to pay you two brown points for every pound of fat you save. Two brown points and four cents in cash. That's certainly pretty good pay for helping to win the war. So keep rendering the fat, pouring it into smooth, edged cans, and bringing it to your butcher. You collect one brown point for every half to three-quarters of a pound, two brown points for three-quarters of a pound to a pound and a half, and so on. These points will be good for any meat or fat purchases, so get your fat in. It's vitally important. To waste fat is unforgivable. To waste anything is setting a horrible example. Ah, 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 don't touch that dial. This is the time when the makers of Camel Cigarettes bring you... Blondie! Oh, that would, huh? The makers of Camel Cigarettes, C-A-M-E-L Cigarettes, bring you Blondie. And now, before we drop over to the Bumstead house to visit Chick Young's famous characters, Blondie and Dagwood... A word from the makers of Camel Cigarettes. This is a bit of news you may have heard before, but if you haven't applied it to your own individual case, then believe me, it's worthwhile listening to again. It's the report of a group of research scientists who conducted a series of tests on the burning speeds of various cigarettes. In recent laboratory tests, 
16 of the largest selling cigarette brands were compared, and it was found that Camel cigarettes burned slowest of all, 25% slower than the average of the other brands tested. Yes, Camel's the cigarette of costlier tobaccos are definitely slower burning. That means you don't come up against the irritating qualities of too fast burning. It means extra mildness and extra coolness. It means extra smoking in Camel's, too. Equal on the average to five extra smokes per pack. Try Camel's. Find out for yourself how slower-burning Camel's give more pleasure per puff and more puffs per pack. Penny for penny, Camel's are your best cigarette buy. And now as our weekly visit with the Bumsteads begins, we find the windows of their living room open to the soft air of an early spring evening. Maybe it's the weather or perhaps it's the hour that makes baby dumpling yawn. Goodness, baby. Excuse me, Mommy. Oh, oh my. Now I'm going to have to yawn, too. Oh, oh, excuse me. Hey, listen, if you two are going to sit there and... <laughs> excuse you, Dagwood. Don't mention it. Maybe we'd better all go to bed. Oh, no, Mommy. You promised to read my new fairy tale book. Well, you'll have to wait till your father's finished with it. Huh? Me? Oh, I haven't got it. Uh, these are catalogs. Seed catalogs, honey. Well, if they're like the seed catalogs we had last year, they're full of fairy tales, too. Yeah? Oh, the radishes came up last year. I know. We planted $10 worth of garden truck seeds and got 40 cents worth of radishes. You ought to read my book, Mommy. It tells how to grow beans. Look at the pictures. Oh, yes, I see. Uh, well, of course, those were magic beans, baby. Where could we buy some magic beans, Mommy? Huh? Oh, I wish I knew. I'd buy some for Daddy. Then he could have a garden without working so hard. Oh, I don't mind working in the garden. That's what you said last spring, Dagwood. Huh? But by June, the weeds were so high, we couldn't see Daisy's doghouse from the back window. Oh. You could see the lightning rod on it. Oh, well, that was because I uh, kind of specialized last year. That grass grew up while I was experimenting with my idea for crossing corn with beans. Oh, I bet you'd have been pretty proud if I'd invented a succotash plant. What was that that finally came up? Hmm? Mr. Flattle called it Bumstead's Blunder. Oh, shh, baby. Uh, no telling what it might have been. Fuddle's rabbit got it before it was six inches high. Hmm. I always thought maybe that was sabotage. Can I have a rabbit, Daddy? Yeah. No. Read your book, baby. Maybe this year we ought to try having just flowers. Oh, we'll have flowers. I've got it all worked out right here on paper where everything will be. See? Uh, it's kind of a map. Let's see, dear. Hmm. There. Is this our yard? Oh, yeah. I, I figured to uh, have it a formal garden this year. Uh, something like the one around City Hall. Only more original. Oh. Now, uh, <clears throat> for instance, uh, see this here? Oh, Dagwood. Huh? A bird there? Why, no, honey. That, that's the, the, the cabbage. The cabbage? Uh-huh. Uh, we don't eat much cabbage. I, I figure one is enough. Well, it certainly would be if it grew that big. Mm. Well... It wasn't drawn to scale. Where are you going to get those two trees? How's that? Uh, the trees? Yeah. Oh, oh those, are, those are tomato plants, dear. A beefsteak tomato. Mm. Can I mm. have some lettuce? Why, baby dumpling, I have to beg you to eat lettuce. That's not for me. 
If I had lettuce, I could feed a rabbit if I had a rabbit. Look, uh, you're not getting any rabbit. And if you did get a rabbit, it could help us eat the cabbage. I'm not raising that cabbage for rabbit food. Oh, goodness, Dagwood. Hmm? Don't be so bitter about rabbits. They're kind of cute. Yeah, rabbits. Trampling down all the flowers around my cabbage. Oh, are those flowers around the cabbage? Sure. That's where the formal part of the garden comes in. See, I have a ornamental border around all the different vegetables. Oh, look, right here, see? Uh, parsley oh. around the beefsteak, tomatoes, mm -hmm. and uh, violets around the cabbage. And, <laughs> but, uh, Dagwood, huh? most people have the vegetables in one place and the flowers in another. Oh, that's where a garden will be original, see? This way, Baby Dumpling can enjoy looking at the geraniums while he's hoeing the corn. Hey. Sure, Baby. Daddy's going to let you help him this year. Won't that be swell, huh? Uh-huh. <laughs> Raising your own stuff to eat. Maybe you'll raise a big pumpkin, and Mommy will make it into a pie. And you'll eat it, huh, Daddy? And I'll eat it, huh, Daddy? Uh, no, no, Baby. We'll all eat it. See? I don't think Baby's very excited about raising a pumpkin, Dagwood. They take so long to grow. Well, uh, what would you like to raise, Baby Dumplin'? Rabbits. No, no rabbits. You're going to be in charge of the vegetables. Now, why are you so set on babies going in for garden truck, Dagwood? It's educational. Now, look at all the famous men who were raised on a farm. Oh, well, if it's educational, we'll have to find a way to get them interested. Oh, I know. Read him that book I brought home. Oh, boy, that's a very exciting story about vegetables. You mean Jack and the Beanstalk? Uh-huh. Ah, uh, what do you see what Jack did, Baby Dumplin'? Starting in with just a little handful of beans. Okay, Daddy. Read it now, Mommy. Well, I tell you. You run up and get ready for bed, Baby Dumplin'. Then Mommy will read it to you. Okay, Mommy. I hope it's as good as the picture, Santa. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Baby knows that a story can be just make-believe, but he thinks anything he sees in a picture is so. Maybe he takes after his father. Oh, sure. Everyone says it. Hey, how's that? Well, you like the seed catalogs with the colored pictures best, don't you? Well, gosh, honey, this catalog is from a new firm, and... And that's it... just it. What? If you're going to buy plants, I think you'd better deal with an old firm like the standard nurseries. Oh, their catalog isn't any good. Just all big words and little pictures. Listen, you know what a... Bellas parentis is? Why, yes, it's kind of a daisy. Well, then why don't they just say daisy and be done with it? Golly, now, now look at this name. Look at this one right here. Funkia plantagenia grandiflor. Oh, those standard nurseries. Just like, they just think they're smart, that's all. Oh, no, dear. There are so many different kinds of flowers in one family that they have to have different names, like our own family does. Dagwood Bumstead and Blondie Bumstead and Baby Dumplin' Bumstead. Uh-huh, but suppose we went around calling Baby Dumpling Infantasiosis Dumpliana Bumsteadiororium. What would that get us, huh? All right, Daggy. All I'm saying is that if you want things to grow, buy them from people you know are reliable. Mm. Oh, oh, Dagwood, that huh? reminds me. What? Did you read that article about the fakers that are going around? Going around where? Everywhere. They have a lot of old weeds that they claim are valuable plants. Mm. And they make all kinds of promises Mommy, and then... I'm coming, baby dumplin'. Now, look, I'll bring down the article for you to read, Dagwood. Mm. Of course, by the time people discover how they've been cheated, the fakers mm. are miles away. They call them gypsy gardeners. Gypsy gardeners, huh? Uh-huh, with the accent on the gyp. Mommy! Yes, dear, I'm coming. Well, they couldn't fool me. I can tell a gypsy by the earrings. Hmm, now, let's see. What else is in the catalog? Onions. Onions, huh? Spring onions. Boy, those look good. Mm, mm. Speaking of onions, 
I think I'll step into the kitchen and make a little onion sandwich to kind of settle my dinner. Huh. Look at this name. Lilliams Speciosum Melopomony. And it's nothing in the world but another lily. Huh. Guess I'll have another slice of onionorium with vitambretiosum some. <clears throat> Entorio the Doratus. Oh, I thought maybe it was a friend of mine. Well, I hope we will be friends, Mr. Bumstead, isn't it? Uh-huh. I'm Mayapple. Yeah, uh-huh. Miltiades Mayapple, the harbinger of spring. The, the what? I sell flowers. Oh. The loveliest blooms that ever delighted the eye of man. Uh, uh, do your plants grow? Grow? Mm -hmm. They burgeon, Mr. Bumstead. They do, huh? Oh, evidently, Mr. Bumstead. Mm -hmm. Well, look, I tell you. Of course, you. I'm only approaching I... real flower lovers in the better neighborhoods just at the first. Yeah? Yes, yes, indeed. I, I feel about my plantlets as though they were my own children. Hmm. I want them to have good homes. <laughs> you see my point? Yeah, well, I tell you, in now... In fact, I... I'm afraid I continue to think of them as mine even, even after I have sold them. That's why I always come back to see how they're getting along. You uh, come back to see if they're growing okay? I suppose you think that's silly of me. Or, of course, they always do grow beautifully. They do, huh? Always. Invariably. Uh -huh. The mayapple system sees to that. With a mayapple seed, a shrub, or plant, nothing goes wrong, because it can't. Ups a daisy. Yeah, Upsy Daisy? That's the secret. Upsy Daisy is my name for the most wonderful plant food. Mm. My own invention. Oh. May Apple products must produce gorgeous results, Mr. Bumstead, or you don't owe me a penny. Well, that, that sounds pretty good to me. I'll uh, come out to your place sometime and have a look around. Oh, no, no, huh? no, 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 Mr. Bumstead. That's no? not the May Apple way. I bring the posies to you. How's that? I have a truck just full, full, full of growing things mm. right outside your door at this moment. Oh, well, it's pretty dark to see. I know, and it's it... fearfully late. I, I don't want to drive that laden truck home. Mm -hmm. I tell you just what I'll do, Mr. Bumstead. I'll just sell the whole thing to you at a bargain price. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars for a truckload? Hey, what's on that truck? Huh? Everything from asters to zinnias. Oh, well, I tell you. All you yours see? for twenty dollars. And as a special introductory offer, I'll throw in mayapple seed packets. Huh? Vegetables, you know. Oh. A complete truck garden from artichokes to zucchini. For only five dollars more. Oh, well, five dollars more, huh? But think, Mr. Bumstead, everything to delight the eye, charm the nostrils, fill the inner man, hmm. for a paltry twenty-five dollars. Oh, paltry? Uh, chickens, too, huh? Now, Mr. Bumstead, huh? we must remember that I return day after day, if need be, to lavish upon them a father's care. Well, you wouldn't have to come every day. Uh, what would you charge for a stepfather's care, huh? You wound me, Mr. Bumstead. Huh? You do indeed. I simply cannot hangle over my plants. It, it's bad enough to part with them at all. Oh, no, no, no. Listen. Don't break down. I, oh, I'll buy the stuff. You'll never regret it, sir. Well, I, I'll take a sack of that uh, upsy-daisy stuff, too. Oh, that'll be $35, $30 in all. Well, we keep our petty cash in the old bean pot here. Oh, here, Mr. Bumstead's an extra premium for you. Huh? May Apple's Marbles. The bean of tomorrow. Free to you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Hey, we well, got twenty nine fifty here. Well, I guess it deals off. Oh no, 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 Mister Bumstead. Huh? I'll trust you for the difference. Say, hey, thanks. Not at all, not at all. Now I'll unload the things on your back porch and wait. Just wait till you see them tomorrow. <laughs>
Wendy. Open the window wide before you come to bed, huh? I'll wait till we're ready to go to sleep, Dagwood. Baby might catch cold. Oh, how is he going to catch cold from our window? Well, he's coming in to have me tell him more about Jack and the Beanstalk. Oh. And it's growing chilly. You know, these spring nights are treacherous. Oh, guy. You don't think we'll have frost, do you? Why, no, dear. Why? Oh, why, all those plants out there. What plants? Out where? Huh? Oh, oh, all the plants outdoors, everywhere. Dagwood. Huh? Is there something you're trying to hide from me? Oh, well, a little surprise for the morning. and I don't go guessing. If I didn't know everything was closed at night, I'd think you'd been buying something. Oh, you, uh, you didn't leave the house, did no, you? No, no, honey. Come on to bed. What are these things on your dresser? Hmm? Oh, oh, just beans. Beans? Uh, may apple marbles. Here, give them here. Oh. There. Are you going to sleep with them under your pillow? Maybe. Dagwood, huh? where did you get these beans? Oh, I'll tell you all about it in the morning. Now, how much did you pay for those old dried-up beans? Not a cent. <laughs> They're free. Kind of a sample. Oh. Well, don't go buying anything from people who come to the door. Have you read that article I told you about in the magazine? No, where is it? Right here. Hmm? Look. Now, oh, here it is. Oh, you read it to me, honey. Oh, dear. First I have to read the baby dumpling and now to you. Well, the onions I ate made me sleepy. Onions? Yeah. You know they make you dream. Mm. Well, anyway, it says here, a new type of swindler is degrading the fine old art of horticulture. The what? Um... Uh, some crooks are making a cheap racket out of the flower business. Mm. Just give me the high spots, honey. Well, the idea is that mm. these men pretend to know all about flowers, mm. and they get in with amateur gardeners by telling them how much they love flowers. Yeah, uh, huh? Yes, they make believe they have such fine plants that they can't bear to part with them. Oh, golly. What's the matter? Oh, oh nothing. Uh, just, uh, it's a coincidence, I guess. Uh, go ahead, Blondie. Oh. Uh, they travel in trucks. Trucks? Why, yes. They bring the plants right to your door. Oh. Dagwood, something is the matter. Well, the onions I ate, maybe. Uh, the back door? Well, I suppose so. The truck is loaded with old dried-up twigs and things that they claim are just ready to bloom. If the customer suspects they're no good, the sharpers claim they'll come back and see that they grow. <laughs> Why, Dagwood, what are you getting up for? I've got to open that window. It's hot in here. Oh. Well, and then these crooks sell whatever they have for whatever they can get. Twenty-nine fifty. What? Oh, I said they're pretty nifty. Boy, it is hot. This window is stuck. Of course, the swindlers make the most money out of the sawdust they sell for plant food. Oh, upsy-daisy. What are you talking about, Dagwood? Oh, I said upsy-daisy to the window. Oh. Oh, there. Oh, well, now, come on back then. Yeah, just... Just a minute. Uh, there. What did you throw out of the window, Dagwood? Oh, it was uh, those old tired beans. I don't get you much good now. That's what Jack's mother did, Daddy. Uh, Jack who? Jack and the beanstalk. He threw some old beans out of the window, and boy, did they grow. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess I'll get some sleep now. I want to be up early in the morning. Uh, don't you uh, get up when I do, Blondie. You want to get up first? Aren't you well, Dagwood? Oh, I'm all right. I'll tell you in the morning. Read me Jack and the Beanstalk again, Mommy. Well, if Daddy's so tired, maybe we just better look over the pictures. Now, come on, get your feet under the blanket. Okay. <laughs> 
Him with the pictures. Yeah, here's Jack coming home after selling all they had. And with nothing to show for it but some no-good beans. Oh. Oh, are we disturbing you, Dagwood? No. I'm almost asleep. Go on, Molly. Mm -hmm. And here's Jack's mother throwing the beans out the window. And here's a picture of the marvelous beanstalk that grew up overnight. Higher than the clouds. Up and up and up. 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 Daisy. What's the other? Let him get to sleep. Yeah. And here's a picture of Jack climbing the beanstalk and meeting the giantess. She was nice to him. She certainly was, considering that he tried to steal the giant fairy harp that could both play and talk. The harp hollered, help. 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 Shh, baby. Oh. Look, here's the giant saying, fee fi fo fum and, and look, here's the magic hand that could lay golden eggs. I can do like a hand really lesson. What? Do it again. Well, baby dumpling, that does sound something like a hen. Hey, hen, listen. How's for laying a little golden egg, huh? Oh, I think Teddy's dreaming. Dreaming is jack up the beans of If you were announcing over the air about camel cigarettes and knew that a lot of people would be happier in their smoking if they took up camels, I wonder what you'd say. Now, you take my case. My cigarette is camel. And if I had to tell about just one feature of camels, I'd recommend camels because they're slower burning. For that slower burning means so much. There are so many definite extras that go only with camels and slower burning. Extra mildness is one, and there's extra coolness, too. Well, you can see that it's natural that the slower a cigarette burns, the cooler and milder the smoking. Also, the extra flavors very swell. You know, nothing interferes with cigarette flavor and aroma like too much heat from too fast burning. But with camels, it's just the opposite. Slow burning preserves the flavor of those costlier tobaccos and camels and lets it come through in the smoking. So there are three definite advantages in favor of slower burning camels. Extra mildness, extra coolness and extra flavor. There's also extra smoking. In recent impartial laboratory tests, camels burn 25% slower than the average of the 15 other of the, of the largest selling brands tested, slower than any of them. And that means camels give a smoking plus equal on the average to five extra smokes per pack. Slower burning camels are penny for penny, your best cigarette buy. <laughs> And now, by a neat trick of radio legitimane, we find ourselves in... In... Uh, in... Dagwood's dream. Dagwood bumps to head, calling Dagwood bumps to head. Go away, honestly. That's what I know. Yeah, who's that, Captain Supper? No, this is the Sandman. Well, uh, what can I do for you, Sandy? Why'd you throw those beans out of the window? Huh? Oh, I'll pick them up in the morning. Too late, Dagwood Bumstead. Huh? If you don't know those were magic beans, mm. why you don't know beans? What, were they really any good? Let's go down to the garden. No, no, listen. You see, uh, I'm in bed now, and... Uh, oh. Hey! 
No, I'm not. I'm outdoors somewhere. Oh, to allocate your whereabouts more specifically, we may describe your situation as that of being in a garden. Hey, who's that? I, sir, am one of a family of smooth, kidney-shaped edible seeds. Born severally in long pods by certain legumes. How's that? In other words, it says it's one of the beans. Mm, golly, it certainly talks well for a bean. Well, it's a Boston bean, you know. Huh? Oh, uh, you uh, don't see a slice of brown bread around, do you? Huh? Our traditional associate is absent, sir. Hmm? We are not here in our edible, but in our generative capacity. Hey, proceed. Well, what's it talking about now? The beans want to be planted. Oh, sure. Glad to oblige. I'll just throw a little loose earth over them, see? Yeah. Now, now what? Just sprinkle a little of this upsidaisy over them hmm? and jump out of the way. Jump? You mean they start growing right away? Certainly, upsidaisy works like magic. Try it. Okay. Let's see. Uh, well, one handful ought to do the trick, huh? There. Look out. Oh. Hey, hey, I'm caught in the branches. Help! That upsy daisy certainly works fast. One minute I'm in my own garden, and now here I am. But where am I? Sure and be glory, the Lord must be busy to be after asking himself, where is he? Hey, who's saying that? Look at the tree, and whatever ye see, leaning against the birth that's me. Hey, all I see is a harp. Well, what do you think I am? Oh, I mean the kind of a harp you can play music on. Oh, a harp that can talk and play by itself. Oh, hey, you know, I bet Baby Dumpin' would like that. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But even if I wanted to go, I couldn't. Why not? The giant has me under a spell. Mm -hmm. If anyone touches me, I have to yell. Oh, this must be the giant's harp, huh? Well, uh, uh, how loud can you yell? Huh? <laughs> oh, well, <clears throat> I guess the giant wouldn't hear that. Come on, come on, let's go. Don't touch huh? me now, or I have to yell. Huh? It's something that I cannot help. Huh? Look out. Huh? Look out. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, there's a giant. Legs. Take me away. Boy, that was close. Hey, open up in here. Isn't anybody home? Uh, nobody here but us chickens. Chickens? This is too big for a hen out, uh, isn't it? Uh, not for the giant hen house. Oh, does this belong to the giant, too? Sure. This is his hen house, and I'm his hen. Mm. You sound a lot like Baby Dumpling. I mean, you sound like Baby Dumpling would sound if he sounded like a hen. Listen, huh? you want a nest for the night? Oh, I wouldn't mind. Uh, see, uh... I'm hiding from the giant. And you're in the wrong route. Hmm? The giant comes here every night to count his golden eggs. Yeah? Uh, which hen lays the golden egg, huh? That one over there. Thanks. Um, I want to take that hen home to Blondie, just a little souvenir of my trip. You better not let the giant catch you touching that hen. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the giant isn't as tough as he looks. He reminds me of a fellow named Mayapple. And uh, he wasn't very tough. Giant's name used to be the apple. Mm -hmm. When he started to grow, he changed it to Big Apple. Uh, what started him growing? Oh, a big bowl of a daisy every morning. 
crispy, crunchy bowl of upsy daisy every morning will certainly give you rosy cheeks and lots of energy. Oh, hey, turn that off. Now, here's how you can make your own upsy daisy. Huh? Just grind up a nice piece of two by four and a pint of cream. Oh, well, that's the first time I ever heard of a radio in a hen house. Anything can happen in a dream. Well, if I'm dreaming. I think I'll take a few golden eggs and go home before I wake up. You better hurry. I hear the giant coming now. Oh. That's him. Fee-fi-fo-bum. Who's in my hen house and how come? Uh, nobody's here but us chickens. Oh, no. With a fee and a fi and a fee-fo-bum. I'm so mad I could crush an assertion. He says he's mad. Yeah. Let me in here for pity's sake or I'll part your hair with a garden rake. Listen, unlock that door. And when he opens it, I'll run between his legs and find the beanstalk. Okay, Daddy. Yes. One, two, three. Gangway! Here's the beanstalk. Now I'll climb down. I think you're out of luck there, chum. Faster! Faster! I can't go any faster. Oh, why do I have dreams like this? This dream comes to you through the courtesy of the Upsy Daisy Plant Food Company. Oh, that's the end. I'm going to jump. Oh, Dagwood, Dagwood, for goodness sake, wake up. Look right out below, I'm falling. You have fallen out of bed. Yeah, huh? Oh, where am I? You're in your own bedroom, Dagwood, and it's time to get up. It's morning? Yeah. Hey, look, it's sunshine. I know. Hmm? Hey, Blondie, you know what? I just had a sponsored dream. Well, you'd better get up now. Mr. Mayapple is downstairs. Mayapple? Oh, how big is he? Oh, just an ordinary size man. Why? I dreamed he was a giant. He seems like a very nice man, Dagwood. Nice? Oh, no, Blondie. Why, he's the one that sold me all that stuff. You know, that uh, truckload of plants that probably won't grow and some of that sawdust plant food. You must have dreamt that too, Dagwood. Mr. Mayapple isn't that kind of a man at all. Why, just look out the window. Out the window? Are, uh, are those beans growing? Why, not yet, silly. Oh, I guess I am a little mixed up. Uh, do you like that stuff I bought last night? If you ask me, you got a bargain. Look down there. Oh, golly. Hey, May Apple's fading up the whole garden. Mm-hmm. Oh, gee, I love the way it smells in the spring. I want to dig in it, too, Dagwood. Me, too, Daddy. Look, I've got my overalls done. <laughs> yeah. Good morning. I'm glad you're not a hen anymore. A hen? Yeah, he was a hen and you were a harp. Oh, boy, that was some dream. It must have been. Come on, Daddy. Hurry up or that man will have a garden all done. Yeah. Mayapple needn't think he's going to have all the fun. Hey, Mayapple, wait for us now. I'll go down and tell him, Daddy. Okay. I'm going to tell you to leave room for a little rabbit house just in case. Oh, this year we really will have a garden, won't we, Daddy? You bet, honey. What's the use of paying all kinds of prices for vegetables when you can raise them yourself? And flowers. If we grow more than we can use, we can give them to people. <laughs> sure. I bet people will be hanging over the back fence looking at our flowers this year. Of course, it'll take a little work, Dagwood. Oh, I don't mind working in a garden, honey. I can get up a little earlier every day, like this morning. Mm-hmm. And I can buy a little gardening smock and a shade hat and some gloves <laughs> and, and work in the afternoon. And I can get in a lot of work evenings before it gets dark. Oh, 
I bet we have a lovely garden this year. I bet it will be the best garden on Shady Lane Avenue. <laughs> well, folks, spring has really come to the Bumsteads. And we invite you to join us in another vid- visit to the Bumsteads with Penny Singleton as Blondie and Arthur Lake as Dagwood next Monday at the same time. Let me also suggest that you listen to Camel's other standout shows. On Saturday, there's luncheon at the Waldorf with Ilka Chase. You'll find it a new high in daytime entertainment. On Saturday night, tune in and hear Bob Crosby and Mildred Bailey featuring music with a heartbeat. That's a tip for your radio pleasure. And for your smoking pleasure, try Camel's. You'll find more pleasure for puffs, more puffs for packs. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Pick up a copy of Conflict with Shadows today from your favorite online bookstore. Presenting Benny Goodman and his orchestra. Benny Goodman's tuneful invitation, Let's Dance. And we advise you to take it full advantage of it because we're going to present a half hour of his sensational swing rhythms from the Joseph Urban Room of the Congress Hotel in Chicago. The first tune, Farewell Blues.
idea of what we may expect during the ensuing 30 minutes. Now, Benny Goodman presents Helen Ward, his singing star, in I'm Shooting High. Goodman a tune like Stompin' at the Savoy and listen to what he can do with it. Just listen to Stompin' at the Savoy. Thank you. 
And when we think of blues tunes, along about the first one we think of is the Basin Street Blues. Here's Joe Harris to sing it. The Basin Street Blues. Won't you come along with me Down to Mississippi We'll take a boat to the land of green Steam down the river, down to New Orleans Then there's a meet-up Oh, folks to greet us that's where the dark and the light folks meet. They call it Basin Street, oh, Basin Street is the street where all the people meet. In New Orleans, the land of dreams, you'll never know how nice it seems and just how much it really means. I'm glad to be just serving where welcome free and dear to me where I can lose those basin sweet blue. Benny Goodman and his orchestra, ladies and gentlemen, playing for you from the Joseph Urban Room of the Congress Hotel in Chicago. And now, I'm building up to an awful letdown.
Coast, Benny Goodman presents Transcontinental.
hear Helen Ward singing, You Hit the Spot. Benny Goodman transforms sweet resignation into sweet dance music. I surrender, dear.
Ellen Ward and the band go to town on the words and music of Yankee Doodle Never Went to Town. Honeysuckle
presented the very danceable rhythms of Benny Goodman and his orchestra, ladies and gentlemen, and we hope you have enjoyed them. They came to you from the Joseph Urban Room of the Congress Hotel in Chicago. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Now you can double your listening pleasure by subscribing to the Strangers and Pilgrims podcast. For only 99 cents a month, you gain access to more shows for your enjoyment. Subscribe now, and happy listening. This is Ronald Coleman, inviting you to radio's most dramatic half-hour, Favorite Story. This week's favorite story recalls a conflict as old as human nature, the struggle of woman for her rights in what we sometimes call a man's world, her right to vote or follow her own profession. And it wasn't so many years ago that a woman was frowned upon for writing novels. Then suddenly the literary world found itself with a bloodless revolution on its hands. Fewer ladies of leisure, more and more ladies of letters. And far from London, in a country parsonage, it was Jane Austen, who had a warm heart, a wise heart, for all her 19 years. Jane had a winning smile, too. Yes, and many suitors to boot. Jane could have married any one of them, if there hadn't been something she wanted to do first. And while others were noisily asserting woman's literary rights, our Jane was quietly proving them. Oh, not too convincingly at first, perhaps, to suit the publishers in London for they promptly returned Jane's youthful manuscript, First Impressions, and it was consigned with many tears to the very bottom drawer. It wasn't till many years and many tears later that our Jane, now Aunt Jane, who might have married but never did, reached into that bottom drawer and pulled out her first impression of life. The manuscript, First Impressions, became the novel Pride and Prejudice, rewritten, with the understanding of that heart still young, but so much wiser, with all the warmth of that winning smile, and written by a woman. What did the gentleman have to say about it? Well, Sir Walter Scott said he'd rather have written that one book, Pride and Prejudice, than all his noisy novels put together. And the Prince Regent asked Miss Austin, please, wouldn't she dedicate her next novel to him? Pride and Prejudice is a comedy of first impressions of the flaws in all of us, which, after all, make us human. The famous American painter and scenic designer, Mr. Oliver Smith, chose this as his own favorite story. So here's Act One of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. Oh, <laughs> 
Oh, that fan will fly out of your hand. Oh, what matter? When I'm about to fly out of my head. Where is she? Where is she? Who, Mother? Who? Who, indeed? Jane, of course. Have some compassion on my nerves. I'm full of compassion, Mother, but I haven't the faintest idea where Jane is. Well, she must be found. The first bachelor in months with a fortune to boot, and Jane disappears. Oh, how will I ever find husbands for my daughters if they won't cooperate? Jane. Go away. Go away. Oh, my poor Jane. Aren't you ashamed hiding in the library? Oh, Lizzie, I can't bear it. Being thrown in a man's head this way, it isn't proper. It, it isn't fair. Of course it isn't. But don't blame Mother. Sometimes she gets a little frantic with five daughters on her hands. But why must I be sacrificed? You escape because you're not afraid to stand up to Mother. You have spirit and, and courage. If only I had a little. Then I could stand up to her, too. Why don't you anyway? It'd be good for you. Now, here's what you do. Jane! Jim. Jane, there you are, you wicked child. How could you do this to your mother? And you, Lizzie, why didn't you tell me at once? Mother, Jane has something to tell you. Oh, time now. Another dance just started. Come along, Jane. Mother. That's it, Jane. Mother, I don't want to marry Mr. Bingley. What? How do you know you don't? You haven't met him yet. Come along, dear. Come along. Lizzie! Help me. Oh, Mother, won't you listen to me, then? You be about finding a partner for yourself, Miss Elizabeth Bennet. It's high time you had a husband and children. Oh, two dances wasted already. Come on, Jane, don't dally. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Who's there? Excuse me, I really couldn't help it. <laughs> oh. How long have you been in that chair? I consider you very rude. For chuckling? For eavesdropping. Uh, but supposing I'd interrupted that tender display of motherly love with a cough or a sneeze or a snore, you'd never have forgiven me. I'd never have forgiven myself. I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Well, until that scene a moment ago, the evening's been such a bore. I'll never forgive Bingley for dragging me down here from London. Oh, then... You're a good friend of our host? Yes, my name is Darcy, his closest friend. As such, I really ought to warn him, you know, to be on guard. But uh, knowing him so well, I'm sure there's no danger. Of his falling in love with my sister? Of his falling in love with anyone. Old Bingley couldn't be guilty of such bad taste. Men of excellent taste have been known to fall in love. Huh, but not in such provincial surroundings. Whereas every such ball as this becomes a bazaar for promoting marriages. For that very reason, I took refuge in the library. You consider yourself in danger? In greater danger than Bingley. Oh? You see, I'm worth a great deal more money. Uh, that would make a difference to the provincial mind, I believe. It seems to me the difference is more in your own mind. Otherwise, you wouldn't make such a point of it. Well, well, your sister was right a moment ago when she said you had spirit. But I haven't an even temper to go with it. I'd better return to the ball. Ending our acquaintance so abruptly. I see no reason for prolonging it any further. But I can think of nothing more delightful. And I can think of nothing more distasteful. Good evening.
Jane. I'm ashamed of you. Have you no pride? No principles? Pride? Principles? What about the stand you were going to take? But that was when I didn't think I could fall in love with him. So now I need your help. Mother means well, but... But what? Well, she's rather forced me on Charles. Oh, not that he minds. But there's his friend, Mr. Darcy. Charles thinks very highly of him. A moment ago, when Charles went to get the punch, Mr. Darcy talked to him for quite a while. I could tell he was talking about... about us. Us? Well, our family. Jane, how do you know? Well, he... he wants Mr. Darcy to meet you. Oh, no. Oh, I mean, Jane... You will come. Oh, please, you must. This Mr. Darcy's approval, I can tell it means everything. And you can so help to counteract the bad impression Mama made. Oh, Jane, dearest... Oh, yes, you can. Please. You have tact and... Tact? And... And a way of putting things. Yes. I certainly have. Hang it all, Darcy. I've fallen in love with a girl. What do I care about her family? You've a family of your own in London, Bingley. Friends there, too. Now, if I'm able to take back glowing reports of this family here, well... Oh, all right. But this could prove embarrassing. It should prove interesting. Oh, hush now, they're coming. Mr. Bingley, may I present my sister? Miss Bennett, Mr. Bingley. Miss Bennett? Mr. Darcy. Your servant, madam. What? Oh, your servant, Mr. Darcy. Uh, I mean... My sister uh, means she's so happy. I'm sure that's what she means. Darcy. Lizzie. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, oh, there goes the music. Uh, well, uh, Miss Bennett? Quite, Mr. Bingley. You two will want to get better acquainted. Uh, well? 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 We're quite at your mercy, aren't we? My sister and I. How do you mean? Well, you were in the library when... Oh, you haven't told him what you overheard. I mean... I had planned to wait. Yes? And let my decision rest on my impression of the, uh, sister. Oh. And... What is your impression? <laughs> I'm afraid that further acquaintance will be necessary. I see. Mr. Darcy, Jane's happiness means a great deal to me. Ah, well, in that case, I want to be fair. Now, I imagine Bingley will be a frequent caller at your home. You won't mind if I come along? But... No. Of course not. Good. That way I'll have more time to form an impression of the... Uh, sister... me. Why won't you tell me? Lydia, Lydia, as Mother would say, have compassion on our nerves. But Mama's not here, and that's what's suspicious. I want to know why Lizzie got Mama to go visiting today, and why Jane is so nervous today. I'm not nervous, Lydia. Oh, yes, you are. It's when you're nervous that you always hit the wrong keys. See? Oh, Lydia, please. Then I'm right. It's today Mr. Bingley's going to ask Jane. Oh, at last, at last. At last? He's only been calling for a week. Oh, yes, but what a miserable week it's been for me. I used to receive George Wickham every day. 
until Mr. Darcy started coming to the house. It will only be for a little while longer, Lydia. But George's regiment won't be stationed here forever. And you can't blame my Wickham for wanting to stay away. After all... Lydia, I... I prefer not to be reminded. But in all fairness, I do think we should hear Mr. Darcy's side of the story. Before we go leaping at conclusions... I, for one, would not be inclined to believe anything Mr. Darcy had to say. Oh, here they come. Oh, Jane, Lizzie, they're just now coming through the gate. Oh, where's my shawl? Uh, oh, I left Oh, it. Lizzie, you're not going to leave me. What will I say to him? You'll know when the time comes. What will I do? Should I be playing when Hill shows him in? I'll do anything. As for me, I'm ducking into the garden to avoid Mr. Darcy. <laughs> she always ducks into the garden to avoid him because she knows that's the first place he'll look for her. Lydia, your shawl, sister dear. I say, Miss Bennett. I thought I might find you in the garden. Indeed? I mean, I, I'd hoped I might. You see, I'm going up to London tomorrow. You? Oh, what a pity. We shall miss you, Mr. Darcy. I wish you really meant that, Miss Bennett. Because I shall miss you very much. Then I take it I succeeded in conveying a favorable impression? Very favorable. In that case, I trust you'll stick to your end of the bargain? My end? To carry a good report of our family to London. I assure you I will. We appreciate your kindness. And now... I'll take my leave, of course. But first... Yes? Uh, <laughs> I really don't know how to begin. You see, I've struggled, but in vain... Quite against my will, Miss Bennett. I've... I've fallen in love with him. Oh. Uh, Miss Bennett, in the house, a proposal is taking place. While in the garden, let me see now. Loving me against your will, you want to marry me? Surely against your better judgment? I didn't mean to... Forget what I said. But there's so much I'd have to forget. For example... Your treatment of George Wickham. Wickham? What's he been telling you? Your father's godson. And yet you've withheld every penny your father set aside for him to study law. That's the story he tells everyone. You presume to deny it? No, I don't deny it because it's the truth. But not the whole truth. George Wickham hadn't the least intention of studying law with that money. His whole life has been one of complete idleness and dissipation. I've paid his debts and covered his losses for so long. How that... generous of you. It's not that. I naturally feel responsible for his actions. I only... I... Uh, but what's the use? I can see from the look in your eyes you don't want to believe what I'm telling you. Simply because his story fits in better with your preconceived notions of me. I... I believe you came into the garden to say goodbye. We got a little off the subject, Mr. Darcy. Elizabeth, you... You must believe in me because I love you. I... The original subject, Mr. Darcy. Elizabeth, Lizzie! I... Lizzie, he's after. He's after Mr. Bingley's after Jane and... Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt anything. You... You didn't, Lydia. It's quite all right. Mr. Darcy and I were just saying Goodbye.
Before we go on with Act Two of Oliver Smith's favourite story, let's have a look at the evening paper. Well, a change in women's styles is certainly with us. The new fullness in skirts, particularly. It says here more freedom of movement will be necessary, as the waltz is definitely replacing the minuet. Here's another official note. It has been announced by the Lord Mayor that the streets of London will have gas lighting this year, for the first time in history. Ah, but here's welcome news. Napoleon's armies routed at Leipzig as the tide continues to turn against the Emperor's forces. And now that we've scanned the front pages of this evening paper for the year 1813, we can turn to the literary section on the back page and read that the bookstalls are running out of copies of the bestseller Pride and Prejudice by the new young authorist Jane Austen, which reminds us that we must return to the Bennett household. And there we come face to face with the old war horse, uh, Mrs. Bennett, that is, in high dudgeon. Lydia, Lydia, where is she? Where is she, girl? Where's who, Mama? Lizzie, your sister Elizabeth, child. Tell me where you saw her last. In the morning room. Uh, in the drawing room. No, upstairs. Oh, don't shatter my nerves. I'll look for her myself. No, 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 don't go away. You'll have to help her pack. Pack? Where's Lizzie going, Mama? Yes, where am I going? Oh, there you are, Lizzie. I just received a letter in the post from your Aunt Gardner, Lizzie, dear. Uh, she asked if I could spare one of my doves for a week. <laughs> if I could uh, spare one. But, Mother... Uh, come, we must get you packed. You leave for London in the morning. London? Oh, no, Mother. Oh, just think. You'll have a whole week there, dear. Look what your sister Jane did in a week. You mean you're sending me there to... Well, surely you know what a wonderful place London is to catch a husband. Mother! So come along. Don't dally, dear. Mother, I can't go to London. Can't go? You must go. I can't, I tell you. Why can't you? Oh, I get no cooperation. First, you let Mr. Darcy slip right through your fingers. I know you could have gotten a proposal if you'd half tried. And it's now... It's no use, you... Mama. She simply won't do what's best for her. So why don't I go in her place? You? Oh, but you're so young. Not too young. Hmm. But uh, would you know how to act? Oh, I promise to be on my best behavior most of the time. Very well. You may go. Oh, Mama, thank you. Lizzie, do you hear? Mother, are you sure London's the place for Lydia? Mama, don't listen to her. She's just afraid now I'll catch her husband before she does. Lydia. Lydia, Lydia, Lydia. Oh, all right. End up an old maid. See if I care. As for me, I'm going to London. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I can't believe it. Oh, it's too horrible. Mother, get hold of yourself. Oh, Uncle Gardner writes that they're doing everything they can to find them and bring them back. But how will they know where to look? Oh, that dreadful George Wickham running off with my dove, Lydia. And we don't even know if they're met. Oh, dear. The captain of his regiment has offered to help, Mother. Apparently, this has happened before. Oh, my poor Lydia. But we've always thought so highly of Mr. Wickham. Why, I remember you used to say... Yes, uh, I remember what I used to say. Well, this certainly proves one thing. 
You can't rely on first impressions. Now, can you, my dear? No, Mother. No, you can't. Yes? Yes, tell me. What is it, Hill? Is there a letter? Beg pardon, madam. Oh, no mail. Still no word. And what is it, Hill? There's a Mrs. Wickham to see you. Mrs. Wickham? We don't know any Mrs. Wickham. Unless she's a relative of... What's that? You mean you don't even know your own daughter? Lydia! Oh, my homing pigeon. Are you married? Married. Oh. Mama, I've got my Wickham outside in the carriage. I think it might be just as well if he stayed there. Mama! Lizzie, I'm dying to meet my son-in-law. Let's just be thankful he is your son-in-law. Mama, make her stop. How much did he settle for? Whatever do you mean? You know what I mean. How much did Uncle Gardner have to pay him before he'd marry you? Why, Lizzie, what a thing to say. Oh, I believe he did give him a few hundred pounds for traveling expenses. I thought so. Well, a married man needs more money than a single one. Elizabeth, how will we ever pay your Uncle Gardner back? I don't believe we'll have to. Because we all know Uncle Gardner hasn't that much money in the first place. Come now, Lydia. Who supplied the money? You tricked me into telling you one thing that was supposed to be a secret. You'll not trick me again. Let's talk about my wedding instead. Really, it was most thrilling. Uh, Beg pardon, Miss Bennett. Yes, Hill, what is it? The Lady Catherine de Burr is here to see you. To see me? Doesn't anyone want to hear about my wedding? I ushered Lady Catherine into the library. Well, you can usher her right out again. Tell her I'm... Oh, too ill to see her. Oh, it was most exciting. Really, it was. was Are you out of your mind? Mr. Darcy's aunt, here. But of course you see her. Considering it almost didn't come off, I know all. why she's come. Uncle Gardner was Hill. called away on business, you know. You'll have to tell and the so Lady I Catherine... Mr. Darcy might have to take his place and give me away, but Lydia. he came... Hmm? Lydia. What was that again, dear? Mr. Darcy was at your wedding? Yes. Did I say that? Oh, I did, didn't I? Why would Mr. Darcy be there for your marriage? Unless he had some special interest in it. Oh. Uh, well, now, let me tell you about my journey here. No. First, you'll tell me about Mr. Darcy. But there's no reason to tell, really. Except it was he who supplied the money that made your marriage possible. Oh, Mama. Oh, there, Mama. there, Lydia. Uh, what should I tell her ladyship, Miss Bennet? Don't tell her a thing. I'll go in and see her. I'll see her. But if he sent her to try and make me change my mind... Oh, Mama, aren't you proud of me? Married and everything. And you were right. London is a simply wonderful place to catch a husband. Good morning, Lady Catherine. Good morning. Doubtless you know why I've come. Yes. I know. Then I take it you're willing to set aside your own feelings in the matter. But I've made up my mind, Lady Catherine. No matter how much you may plead for Mr. Darcy. Oh, then he has proposed. Why, yes, of course. He... Lady Catherine, just what did you come here for? Why, to prevent your marrying my nephew. What else? To prevent it. Well, I see. You can see how impossible such a marriage would be. The family could not afford such a catastrophe. Therefore, I must ask you to stop encouraging him. Lady Catherine... Your nephew can assure you that encouragement is the one thing I most certainly have not given him. Then my fears are groundless? 
Until a few moments ago, I'd have said they most certainly were. Lady Catherine, I'm indebted to you for your visit here this afternoon. You've made me see something for the first time. Why, whatever do you mean? I mean, Lady Catherine, that if you still intend to save your nephew for posterity, you're going to have to act fast. You're going to have to get to London before I do, if you want to avert a catastrophe. Excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Mr. Darcy. Really? Oh, excuse me. Mr. Darcy. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Oh, excuse me, please. Oh. oh, I thought... I thought I'd never catch up with you. I'm all out of breath. I... I was so afraid I'd be too late. Too late? Yes. Too late to be forgiven. Because... Because I do love you. What? Before I was afraid to admit it. Even to myself. Now I'm proud to admit it. Oh, Elizabeth, my dearest. I know what you did for Lydia. Oh, but look here, if you think I did it just to... No. I know why you did it. Because you felt responsible for Wickham's actions and wanted to atone for them. All the Lady Catherines in the world can't destroy a sense of honor like that. Oh, Lizzie, Lizzie. Mr. Darcy, putting your arms around me here in public... My arms belong around you. But your pride. Remember your pride? Pride is a thing of the past, Miss Bennett. I'm going to kiss you, Lizzie. Right here? Right now. Unless you have a prejudice against men who kiss women in public. Prejudice is a thing of the past, Mr. Darcy. Oh, Elizabeth. Besides, Londoners must be used to this sort of thing. You mean it happens all the time? Why, what a foolish question, Mr. Darcy. Surely you know what a wonderful place they say London is to catch a husband. That's Pride and Prejudice, Jane Austen's excellent advice on how to catch a husband. Such good advice, in fact, that Miss Austen never took it herself, for she died a spinster at the early age of 42. Verna Felton played Mrs. Bennett, Helen Craig of the Broadway stage was Lizzie, and William Conrad the ingratiating Mr. Darcy. Maestro Claude Sweeten created an early 19th century atmosphere with his customary skill, and the famous artist, Mr. Oliver Smith, chose Pride and Prejudice as his favorite story. Thank you for listening to The Strangers and Pilgrims podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's shows. Visit our website at www.strangerspilgrims.com.